participate uh, in next Sunday after the service. We're going to do something that we haven't done before that I can remember, but uh, we're going to uh, take one hour after the service. Anybody who can stay, uh, and we're going to meet, I guess, over here in one of the children's classrooms. And we're going to take one hour and just pray for, for the church or pray as the Lord leads and directs. And so I realize not everyone can stay. But if you can, can next Sunday, right after the service, after we dismiss, you know, and greet one another as we do, uh, we'll go right over here into one of these rooms over here at children's classrooms, take an hour and just pray as the Lord leads and directs. Primarily praying for the church, the, the ministry as well as however the Lord would lead. So if you can stay for about an hour next Sunday, then mark that on your calendars, and we would love to uh, uh, have you stay. Uh, also tonight, we, we seldom ever have an uh, uh, evening service around here, but tonight we're going to have a service, uh, not a service, but two classes. Diane's going to teach the ladies for an hour from 6 to 7. And they'll be, I guess, out here in the sanctuary. And then I'll be meeting with the men over in the youth room. And uh, we'll, she's going to talk about things that you talk about with ladies when men aren't around. And I'm going to talk about things you talk with men when ladies aren't around as it pertains to husbands and wives. And so that will be tonight, 6 o'clock, for one hour. So come if you can, and we will have child care provided. And single people can come because, you know, one day you might be married. So come and get in on that. All right. So that's tonight. What time does it start? Six, six to seven. And uh, come and get in on that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We trust that as we share your word today concerning marriages, husbands and wives, as we share it tonight with husbands and with wives, that you'll speak to the people and that they'll hear what it is that you're saying to them, that their marriages will be strong and vibrant. Perhaps the marriage has has grown cold, that it can be vibrant again. And we just know that if people will just cooperate with your word, that, that things can be better and get better and be strong. And if they're already strong, they can get stronger. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. Um, Diane is going to help me today. And uh, it's always good to have her up here helping me. And so we're glad of that. And uh, we've been married. We're going to be married 25 years, I guess it is, this, uh, this June. June the 24th of 1989, we got married in a church. And the air, it was 100 degrees outside. And uh, the, elect, the uh, air, conditioning air conditioning broke, broke in the church. And so... It was really, really hot. You can see our wedding pictures. You can see our clothes drenched with, with perspiration. And, and we spent $1,000 on our wedding. That was the wedding, the uh, clothes, the facility, the honeymoon, everything. $1,000. That's, that's, that's probably included the rings, too. I don't know. But, uh, but you know what? You don't have to spend a lot of money to have a good marriage. And I've watched folks spend, you know, $100,000 or more on a wedding and, you know, last a year or two and then they're in the divorce. So, you know, it's, it's not the ceremony, it's what's going on in the hearts of the 
husband and the wife, you know. So anyway, we've been married 25 years. We don't have a perfect marriage, but it's it's pretty close. It's wonderful. Yeah, and it's been a blessing to be married to her for all this time. Anyway, we're going to start with a couple of funny statements here. I hope you think they're funny. Uh, let's see. Funny statements about marriage. All right, are you ready? It says, whether a man winds up with a nest egg or a goose egg depends a lot on the kind of chick he marries. Trouble in marriage often starts when a man gets so busy earning his salt that he oh, that he forgets his sugar. Yeah. When a man marries a woman, they become one. But the trouble starts when they try to decide which one. If a man has enough sense... If a man have... Ah, if a man has enough horse sense to treat his wife like a thoroughbred, she will never turn into an old nag. Yeah, that's good. A foolish husband says to his wife, Honey, you stick to the washing, ironing, cooking, and scrubbing. No wife of mine is going to work. The bonds of matrimony are a good investment only when the interest is kept up. So that's, that wasn't a funny, that was a, a really good statement. It's a good investment only when interest is kept up. You know, it's real easy to lose interest in your mate. We've watched it over the many years. You got There's a lot of interest before you get married, but then once you get married, after the honeymoon, six, eight, ten months in, year two in, or two in, there's no more interest, and then uh, that leads ends up in divorce. So keep the interest going. Marriage is more than just a ring on your finger. It's a bond between two people that should grow over time and add value to your life. It's very interesting that the Bible kind of begins with a marriage and also ends with a marriage. Do you ever think about that? Unhappy marriages and subsequent divorces destroy families and tear children apart and also tear apart uh, our relationships with our extended family. The effect it has on children is enormous, even for grown children. A lot of times people think, you know, you hear people say, well, I'm going to wait till the children are grown and then I'm going to get divorced. You know, I'm just going to put up with this marriage until the children are grown and out of the house, and then I'm going to get divorced. It destroys the grown children just as much as little children. You know, there's a lot of marriages just stick together because of the kids. You know, the only reason they're married is because of the kids. When if the they, only reason they stay married. Right, and if they just live godly principles, obey the word of God. They could live together just for the kids and have an awesome, wonderful, and happy marriage also. Good marriages are the foundation of a happy family and increase the probability of emotionally healthy children who can have successful and happy marriages when they become adults. Um, it is so, 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 so important that you invest in your marriage, if for nothing else, but for the sake of your children, that uh, effects of divorce on children are just absolutely astronomically horrible. Even if they seem okay on the outside, they're not. The, the effect that divorce has on children is just devastating. Um, based on, on a, oh, God's intent for marriage was to be a joy, a blessing, and the foundation for family and society. Based on a survey conducted by the National Fatherhood Institute, the top reasons for divorce in the U.S. across all demographics included a lack of commitment by one or both partners, too much arguing, and infidelity. Arguing and infidelity. 
You know, we argue a lot less than we used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We used to argue a lot. But, you know, really about 95% of it was my fault. And uh, I realized I had to change. And we changed. I changed. It's been a lot better, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. But through our marriage, we've both changed. We've both had to adapt ourselves, change ourselves, uh, see where we're wrong. There's no perfect spouse. And if you think that you're a perfect spouse, you're probably worse off than most. Yeah. Um, we all have things. We're, we're fleshly creatures. We all have things that we need to change and improve on and adapt to our spouse. Remember that one argument we got into over when we lived at Summit Hills and it was during breakfast? I've told the story before, but I was... I was uh, uh, just being ignorant. Has anybody ever been ignorant besides just acting ignorant? Nobody's ever acted ignorant. I don't mean unlearned. I mean ignorant. I mean act like a fool. Difficult. And, difficult. And I was just being in one of those moods. And, uh, and, and, and I frustrated her so much so that she picked up the grapefruit and, and threw it at me, slung it right at me. And I ducked and it slapped up against the wall and slid down. And, but I had it coming. And, and, uh, well, he's, a, he's a very good communicator and he likes to debate. And, and I'm not a good communicator. So he would just talk circles around me. And I just got so frustrated that I couldn't communicate to him what I was thinking or how he was wrong, of course, or I was wrong. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just got so mad I threw the grapefruit in. Yeah, I had it coming. I did. I, I had it coming. We'll talk more about arguing here in a little bit and, and the method that I used. And, but nonetheless, uh, let's talk about some areas that, we've, that Diana and I have observed over the years that have led to marriage problems. And uh, these are in no specific order. But first of all is unity. Unity. And in Genesis 2.24, it'll be up on the screen, or you can turn in your Bible. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Notice, one flesh. Now that, that doesn't mean that our flesh is one in the same. You know, you can look and see she's got a body, I've got a body, you know. That one there means in unity, unity. Did you ever notice the Bible says that that the Lord our God is one God? Did you ever notice that? And certainly there is one God, no question about that. But, you know, he's manifested himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when it says the Lord our God is one God, yeah, there is only one God, no doubt about that. But it also means that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit operate in unity, complete and total unity. You'll never see the Son, Jesus, contradicting the Father or the Holy Spirit. You'll never see the Holy Spirit contradicting the Son or the Father and so on. And that's what it means uh, when it says here that they shall become one flesh. Now, there's other things you could say about it, but it means that the husband and the wife should operate in unity. Real out, say unity. Unity. Yeah, unity. And there should be a oneness and a cooperation between the husband and the wife. Notice in Psalm 133 in the Message Bible, Psalm 133 in the Message Bible, verse 1, it'll be on the screen if you don't have it. It says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. Isn't it good when people get along? It's good when church people get along. Uh, it's, it's good when a husband and wife gets along. Uh, 
you all that have, you know, children and, you know, their your son, your daughter, their brothers and sisters isn't a good one to brothers and sisters. The kids in the house are getting along. You know, it's just a lot nicer when they're when they're getting along. I know when Paul and BJ one time they got in a fight and they were in a fight and I came in there and Paul popped BJ right in the nose and BJ's blood squirting everywhere. And I'm looking at that thinking, you know, what am I going to do? Well, they weren't getting along or, you know, they weren't getting along right there. And uh, and so it was a lot nicer when, when they got along, you know. Anyway, verse two, it's like costly anointing oil flowing down head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his pretty ro- uh, priestly robes. Verse three, it's like the dew on Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. Now, what is it, unity is unity is good. And it says, yes, that's where God commands the blessing, ordains eternal life. See. Uh, where does God command the blessing? He commands the blessing when there's unity, when there's a cooperation between the husband and the wife. If if it seems as though there's not a blessing, uh, bet- you know, in your marriage, look and see, are you all getting along? Is there a oneness? Is there a cooperation? Is there a unity? Now, Diane's going to talk about some areas and I'll chime in as we go where um we have observed over the years where married people, men and women, husbands and wives, have not been in unity. It's caused great problems in their marriages. One of the biggest uh, places we've noticed um, of people that are having problems in their marriage or people that we know of that have gotten divorced is they're not in unity in their finances. They have his account and her account, his bills and her bills, You know, he might pay the mortgage and she pays the car payment. He might pay the insurance. She might pay for all the food and all their money is kept separate. And we've tried to think everybody that we know of personally that got divorced, they did this. They kept all their money separate and it never works because you're not in unity. The Bible commands us to be one. And that means in everything, including our finances. I've watched this. We've watched it together. And at first, years back, it just shocked me because we've always, you know, everything that's uh, mine is mine and everything that's hers is mine. And Now, you know what I'm trying. We're going to have to laugh a little bit now. (laughs) But what's mine is hers and what's hers is mine and hers. You know what I'm trying to say? And the weird thing is, is that God says that's the way it's supposed to be. The state of Missouri says that's the way it's supposed to be. It's communal property. It's a law. Yeah. But we get into marriage and we say, that's not the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep my own money. You keep your own money. And it never, ever, ever works. It never brings about unity yeah. in a marriage. When we got married, I had some assets. She had some assets. And, and when we got married, you know, her name went on everything that I owned. And my name went on everything that she owned. And, uh, you know, somebody said, well, I'm just not going to do that. So you're telling me you're preparing for a divorce. Is, is that what you're telling me? Marriage is for life, isn't it? Is that right? So, so we're going to have a prenuptial agreement. So that just means we're setting up now to have a divorce later. You know, uh, everything that was mine became hers and everything that was hers became mine. And it was it was a, a sharing. And when I first saw this years ago, where, where people had their separate finances, it shocked me. I thought, this is really weird that somebody would do this. But over the m- many years now of pastoring, we've seen this again 
and again and again where you know he keeps his money, she keeps her money, and they have separate checking accounts, and he doesn't know what's going on in her money, and she doesn't know what's going on in his money, and, and, and I've never seen one of them yet, not one of them yet. That's worked out. It always, it's either turmoil, continuous turmoil, or it winds up in, in divorce eventually. And, uh, and so that's something I would, uh, advise you that if you're running your money separate, you know, take, take a look at that and, and, and get that money, uh, in unity. I know with us, I've always been kind of a math person and a, you know, that, that sort of thing. I've always overseen the money. But then we sit down. Are you welcome to go look at it anytime you want? Of course. Yeah. And then we sit down about once a quarter and I go over it with you and look at the bank statements and whatnot. And so uh, uh, that's that's the way we, we've done it. But uh, we're one in, in finances. And when you're working together, you won't have this, you know, well, he's supposed to pay the mortgage and he got laid off and now he's not paying the mortgage. It, it divides it. You're not working together to get your bills paid. You know, it becomes a point of contention. Oh yeah, and it's it just really is a setup for just a total and complete mess. And uh, 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 I know sometimes we've seen where the woman, at some point, she's saving her money up and just has it there just in case she needs to, you know, get it filed for divorce. And uh, we need to we need to run the money together, don't we? Yeah, yes, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. Um, another way, uh, place that we need to have unity in our marriage is in vision. Uh, what I mean by that is what we're going to be doing with our life, where we're going, you know, what do we see out in our future and how are we going to work toward it? Like have the same vision of, you know, we're going to buy a house when we have kids and we're going to stay in that house or we're going to buy a house and, and you know, when the kids are 10, we're going to move to a different house or we want our kids to go to this school district or we want to, you know, end up paying our house off, you know, when we've been at 15 years or, or we want to go on a vacation to such and such a place every year. Just that you have the same goals, the same thing that you're thinking about. And, you know, when you first look at this in your vision, you're not going to agree because you're two different people. But you need to work those things together and work out where together you would like to go in a marriage. Another way we need to be unified is spiritually. We need a spiritual union in our marriage, we need to be uh, one in seeking the Lord and have that same desire to please Him. And this is a really, 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 really big one. We need to be one in front of our children. Um, if we're not one in front of our children, the children will know it. They're smart, they're cunning. <laughs> they can work a parent against a parent very, very easily, very, very easily. And if you're not one, if you're not in union and if you haven't communicated ahead of time what your what your boundaries are for your children and what your desires are for, from them, uh, it's impossible to be in unity. And I don't know if we're going to say it later, so I'll say it here in case we forget. But do you know how many, I mean, we have seen this again and again where uh, primarily I, I've seen it with uh, the, the wife, the woman. And I've had them tell me, look me right in the eye and tell me. That uh, they love their children more than their husband. I've had probably better than half a dozen people tell me that. You know, that, you know, I love my children far more than I love my husband. You know, there's something really bad wrong there. Did you know that? I said, did you know that? 
I mean, there's something really, really bad wrong there. Because God, the way he set it up, he has to be first. God first. And then next is your spouse. You're supposed to... Your spouse has to be a higher priority than your children. Then after your spouse, then your children. Did you hear what I just said? You know, and then you can get on talk up, talk about it past that. But uh, uh, and I, I'm talking now in a normal, typical family. I'm not, you know, if, if there's been a divorce and abuse, and I mean, there's exceptions to these things. Understand? But I've already had it where I've seen better than half a dozen of them where the, the, they were married, they were living in the same house, and as you looked at it, everything seemed to be fine. But I've had them. I've had them. You know. Look, the, the wife usually will tell me, she'll say, you know, I love my children far more than, than I love my husband. And, uh, you know, that's something you need to take a look at if that's the case. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. It's, uh, it's very, very important. Very, very important. Um, the next one you might think is kind of weird, but it's very important in unity that you sleep in the same bed. Now, there's instances, you know, maybe maybe the wife... When she goes to sleep at night, maybe she kicks really bad all night or something, you know. <laughs> there are, you know, different people when they go to sleep, they do different things. You know, some people might sleepwalk or whatever. But for the most part, unless there's some kind of physical problem, you need to sleep in the same bed. And we've seen this over and over again in people that are getting divorced, having horrible difficulties in their marriage. You ask them, do you sleep together at night? No. I say, I haven't done it for years. I haven't done it for years. Don't sleep together for years. And again, we understand, you know, this one pastor friend of mine, he has sleep apnea and he hooks himself up to, it looks like a vacuum cleaner at night that, you know, helps him breathe. I, I, I can understand if there's stuff like that going on where it's going to keep the wife awake or there's a snoring issue. I, I, we understand that. But apart from some, some extenuating circumstances, you know, you'd be surprised how many couples, they just don't sleep in, in the same bed. And by the time it gets to, to the divorce situation, you know, uh, you know, that's a question you'll ask. And, and, and no, we haven't slept in the same bed for years. Again, we're talking about unity. And it usually happens because they don't like each other anymore. And they don't like each other anymore because they have all these things that have built up over the years that they have resentments unforgiveness, anger about, and then they just don't like each other anymore. So don't let your marriage get to that point. Then another thing uh, that we think is really important is, for the most part, that you go on vacation together. There's lots of times where the guy goes hunting or on a golf trip or the girl goes, you know, to wherever with the girls for a while. And that's fine. Those are really normal, healthy things to do. But if every year you vacation separately, it's just not healthy. Um, we know people that, you know, the guy will buy a cabin in the, in the country because as soon as the weekend hits, he's got to get out of town because he doesn't want to spend the weekend with his wife. She can't stand to spend the weekend with his wife. That is not spending your vacation time together or your off time together. That's getting away from the spouse that irritates you. And that guy that you're talking about doesn't, doesn't go here to the church. We try our best to use examples of folks that, you know, that don't go here. Uh, maybe they went here at one time, but I know he told me, he said, you know, he said, he said, Terry, he said, you know, I got back from the cabin and he said, I, I was down at the cabin for, for a month. And he said, uh, he said, for a month, I didn't do anything wrong, but I've been home 10 minutes with my wife, and I've done seven things wrong already. 
Maybe, maybe. Did you get that? So you know why he goes to the cabin. He doesn't have to listen to somebody telling him he's wrong all the time. And uh, I know that situation very well. And, you know, that situation with this couple we're thinking about, that, of course, they run their money separate, you know. And uh, he, he saves his money and she spends it, you know, as fast as it comes in. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment, too. But uh, they don't run their money together. They've run it separately for years. And, and the children uh, are more important to her. Children are more important to her. And, uh, By your own admission. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, uh, he, and he told me, he said, you know, in that case, he said, uh, you know, I had to get the cabin down at the lake or wherever it is. He said, or we're going to wind up in divorce. And the only reason he doesn't get a divorce is because he knows if he does, she's going to get half of everything he saved over all these years. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so it's, uh, it's you know, the, these are things that, you know, and I talk with him about it. And it's, yeah, I know, but, you know, we talked about that last week. I know, but, you know, a lot of people know what they need to do, but they're not going to do it. Is that right? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's just, it, why don't you tell them about that other vacation deal we know a family and we saw the fella and we said where's your family she he said i i don't know i got up this morning and and they were just gone (laughs) and then you know like four or five hours later he gets a phone call you know well we're in you know five states away you know yeah everybody's freaking out Went on vacation they went on vacation and it turns out that this family this happened every year he'd just wake up one morning they'd all be gone and he didn't have a clue that's not taking your vacation together <laughs> yeah and you know and that was one of those situations where you looked at this family they looked like you know everything was fine you know but that's been the case with with almost all of these almost all of these you know, over the many years as people have wound up in my office to, to talk about these issues, uh, you know, you never know there was any problems going on. You never know. I remember a, a, a coach of mine, actually two different coaches when I was a kid in baseball. Uh, I'd go over to their house. Everything looked just fine as far as him and his wife. They were getting along. Everything looked just wonderful. And, uh, and, and, and they wind up in, in divorce. You know, it's real easy to put a show on for people. Did you, did you know that? It's real easy to put a show on. And uh, we've seen that over the many years. And uh, I, we may say it again later, but a lot of times by the time it gets to my office, I've already had them, so many of them, they're sitting in my office. And by the time it gets to my office, there's nothing I can say. There's no prayer, the Holy Ghost. I'm talking the Holy Ghost. Can't put them. Hump, what was it? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men. Can't put Humpty back together again. And I've had them over the years that, you know, and, and they're sitting in my office. And I, I didn't have an, any clue that there was any problem. They'd come to church. Everything was just fine. It looked like the, the happiest couple. But you find out that, you know, they're, they're going to wind up in divorce. And there's, I've had them sit there. There's nothing I could say. There's no prayer. There's, no, nothing, there's nothing God could do because they're not going to cooperate. Things have just gotten, gotten too far. But uh, but that is pretty bizarre to wake up and your family's gone. Where are they at? Well, you know, I've been trying to call them. They don't don't respond. And then five hours later, oh, they they went on vacation. Is that something? 
And it's interesting, in that situation, the husband allowed it to go on and on and on and on. He never put his foot down. Just allowed it, allowed that to happen. And then one day, he woke up, as I understand it, and, and they not only left on vacation, they left for good. You know? His family. Might have been good for him to put his foot down somewhere along the way. Is that right? The husband should be the head of the household. And the, 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 we'll talk about this more tonight with the men and the women, but in that situation, the, the man, you know, I'm not talking about being dictatorial. A husband should not be dictatorial. You understand? He shouldn't run things like an army boot camp. You, you understand that? But he should be in charge and he should be working with his wife. You know, have I ever been a dictator? Never. You know, we've always worked together and we've yeah. talked things through, you know, and, and in the, the few events where, you know, things were, you know, I, basically one real smart guy told me this years ago, he said in between a husband and a wife, this authority thing that the man has really just comes down to breaking the ties. You know, breaking the ties is, you know what I mean? Is there ever, like when a score in a ball game is tied, you got to break the tie. Is that right? And so my job is, we talk things through. We'll talk about this in communication. We talk things through. And over the many years, I've only had to break the tie, what, maybe? Just a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, because we were, we, we were discussing an issue and, and we couldn't really agree totally. And we were kind of tied on it. She wanted to go one way and I wanted to go the other. And at that point, I had to break the tie and have to say, okay, we're going to go this way. You know, that's not a fun place to be in. It's a responsibility. And what if something goes wrong? Then I'm responsible. But that's a part of what a husband plays. Is, real I'd say responsibility. You know, it's not a dictatorial thing. It's a responsibility. And, uh, and as a husband, you have to stand up and, and be a leader, a loving leader. And I know in this situation here that we're talking about, that guy, he just would never take any authority in his house. And it wound up in debacle. So anyway, unity. There must be unity. So like we said, like on vacations, it's great for a guy to get away or oh, yeah. a wife to get away for a while. Sure. But if all your vacations are separate and your goal is to get away from your spouse that's not unity and that's not and i think you said it best if the goal because because every once in a while a man's going to go do something or a woman's going to go do something and but if the goal is to i got to get away from this woman or i got to get away from this guy then that's what we're talking about and that's not good now let's talk about another area is the area of opposites And, and this happens all the time you know opposites attract is that right do opposites attract? Yes. Opposites attract. And it's, it's interesting that, that uh, opposites in, in, in a husband and a wife and a man and a woman, before you get married, opposites attract. And so what's weak in me, I'm going to see strong in her, and that's going to attract me to her. And what's strong in me and weak in her, that's going to attract her to me. Whether you know what's going on or not, it, it happens. And so opposites attract, you know, and draw together. But once the ring goes on the finger and the honeymoon wears off, have you ever put a, put magnet, magnets together? And in one way, they'll kind of click to one another. But if you push them another way, what happens? There's like a, there's, they, they repel. And we've watched this again and again, and it happened with us. Before we got married, the opposites attracted and drew us together. Once we got married and the honeymoon wore off, then the things that were opposite in us began to 
repel us. We were married. The ring was on the finger. And the whoo has worn off. You know what I mean? See, when you're dating, it's whoo. Oh, you're floating around on a cloud. In heaven. You're in heaven. In heaven. I'm in heaven. Just want to be together all the time. And once you get married... And don't sit there and think, well, that won't happen to me. Because I used to sit there and think, that won't happen to me. But guess what? It happened to me. Everybody has the same flesh. And once we were married for a while and the honeymoon wore wore off and you get into the daily affairs of life and it just, we were repelling. And, and those, those, those things in her that, that, that once attracted me to her, now they were repulsive to me. Irritating. Irritating and, and vice versa. And so what happens is, is usually either men and women will, you know, just kind of grow apart in time or you'll try to change your spouse. You'll try to change them. And, and, and what I learned is I can't change her. And you learn this really good. You can't, can't change him. No, because if you try to change me, it's just going to make me worse. Right. And so we couldn't change one another. And and like with us, I am the kind of person that I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Now, that doesn't mean that tomorrow never comes. I mean, I'm not a procrastinator and that I'm never going to do it. It's just I'm going to take care of it tomorrow. I might do it later today, but I'll get it done. I'll do the vacuuming either because you see with us, we 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 kind of split up chores right and and she cooks the food at night and i clean it almost every night i do the dishes and done that for 25 years he doesn't put those off till the next no no because you don't want the roaches you don't want the roaches crawling around but like the vacuuming you know or or you know that kind of stuff or something needs to be done i'll get to it i don't put it off three months down the road or three weeks i'm going to do it tomorrow diane isn't going to do it tomorrow guess what yesterday you're going to do it yesterday and so what would happen is I would look through my glasses because you always see things through your own glasses. You know what I mean? And I would look at her. This is after the honeymoon wore off, after the euphoria woo, wore off. I'm looking at her through my glasses and I see a slave driver. And she's looking at me through her glasses and she sees a lazy, lazy. Well, she's not a slave driver and I'm not lazy. It's just we're looking at things from our own perspective. Where I really had the worst case of this was when we were living. We came back from our uh, from going to Bible school, and we were back for about two weeks, and the house needed to be painted. And okay, so we're going to paint the house. And so I remember that one morning the alarm went off. The summertime it went off about five o'clock, and she said, "I think he's exaggerating." She said, "You know, go paint the house." And so I said, I'll do it. And I was going to do it. But I get out there maybe about nine o'clock. Well, no, in her mind, you don't wait till nine. You get out there when the sun comes up. And so I remember laying there and the snooze thing went off or something. And and I wasn't getting up quick enough. So she put her feet over on me and she pushed me out onto the onto the floor. Well, I see. What do I see? I see slave driver. I know another time. This was before we got married, actually. I, we, I had cut the grass. I'd worked all day doing something. And now it's like about 2.30 in the afternoon. And I remember I laid down on the floor. 
And she comes over and she looks at me. And I look up at her and I said, what? And she says, it's only 2.30. We don't take naps at 2.30. She's a morning person. And I grew up, all I did was work. Right. She's a morning person. I'm a night person. So she likes to get up and get going. I like to take my time to get going. So, but see, I see a, you know, somebody that's running on like caffeine steroids and she sees somebody lazy. Now, she's not a slave driver and I'm not lazy. It's just we have had to work over the many, many years to adjust on this. And and rather than me trying to correct her or her trying to correct me, we've learned to work with each other. And here's what you have to do. These opposites that attract and then you get married and then they repel. What you have to do is, is you have to, I have to look back and say, look, she is strong in some areas where I am weak. Rather than letting that be a point of contention, why don't I, we're one, why don't I use those strengths to our advantage. Can you say amen? Amen. And then she's looked has to look at me and say, you know, where where she's weak, I'm strong. And then rather than trying to correct me or change me, why don't we just admit, hey, I'm strong in some things, I'm weak in some things, let's come together and work together, and together we're one and together we're better. Is that right? That's right. You all get what we're trying to say? I could say it again and again, but I think you get it. Um See, I'm a, I, I'm a talker. She's more of a quiet person. And, and when we uh, first got married, have you ever tried to talk to somebody on, a, on the phone, especially when they're not much of a talker? Huh? Does that drive you crazy? Hello? Hello? How you doing? Fine. You do, how you doing? Fine. So what's going on? Nothing. Nothing. You know, so what do you want to do today? I don't care. So I was brought up that you don't speak unless you're spoken to. And, all, and the parents did all the talking and the children sat there and did all the listening. Plus, I think I was born with a quiet personality. Yeah. And I grew up doing doing all the talking. And, and uh, it's like, uh, you know. She might have said to me one day, I don't feel much like talking today. And I said, fine, you don't have to do any talking. All you got to do is a listening. (laughs) But we've just been that way. And so we've had to work on it over the years. I've had to quiet my mouth down some and not talk so much. And she's had had to to learn how to talk. Yeah. yeah. Express myself. Right. And we could go on and on on with this. Uh, Here's another example of a spender and a saver. You know, uh, uh, well, it's like that couple we talked about a moment ago. She's a spender and the, and the man is a saver, the guy with the cabin at the lake. And it's caused a real problem because, uh, you know, there's a balance. Realize, say balance, there's going to be a balance, you know. And uh, but but she spends it as quick as it comes in and he saves it. And so, uh, you know, you, you, there's nothing wrong with saving. You ought to save. Nothing wrong with spending. You ought to spend on what you need, need to spend it on. But but uh, you can get in the ditch on, on either side of the road. And a lot of these examples in our personalities um, are things that, you know, when we, when we realize them, we need to look at ourselves <clears throat> like, say, I spent too much money. It's just not a matter of 
uh, you know, trying to adapt and, and try to save, I have to realize that some of what I'm doing is sin. If I'm spending money and I have credit card debt and, and you know, I'm putting him under stress, you know, a lot of times the things that we have in our life, we really have to look at ourselves and say, think, is this sin? You know, uh, Pastor Terry just talked about missing the mark and talked about all kinds of sins that we can have in our life. And we just, a lot of times we just think, oh, that's my personality, that's the way I am. But a lot of times they are sin, and we have to address those things to have a good marriage. Right. All right, let's talk about, I guess, the last thing here, a major area. We could go on forever with this with the, this topic of marriage, but we'll say more tonight specifically for husbands and wives. Communication. Uh, there's really, really a skill to communicating properly, and um, it's something that we always have to work on. We have to learn it. We have to learn the right to, way to communicate to our spouse. And you just think about, you know, as I go about my day, I'm in a school all the time learning how to communicate properly with my spouse. Um, we like to a lot of times just say what's what comes to our head or how we feel. And a lot of times if we're angry, we lash out, we say things that we shouldn't say, or we want to correct our spouse or do things. And, and a lot of things we just have to learn. And we have to uh, give ourselves and give our spouse time to learn those things. And by time, I don't mean three weeks. I mean years. It takes years to learn how to treat your spouse properly, how to say the right things, to know when the right, when is the right time to say something. So, you know, when we're talking about changing and having a good marriage, it's not something that you have year one or year five. These are things that you learn and develop and grow in every single year over and over and over again. Uh, the Bible has so much to teach us about communication. I uh, encourage you to just read the book of Proverbs and just think about everything that is in the book of Proverbs that talks about communication. One example of these is in Proverbs 15. It says, a gentle, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Boy, if we could just get that one sentence in our life, wow, what a difference it would make with our spouse. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. If we could just incorporate that in our lives, that would make a tremendous difference. And there's lots of things that we need to be able to communicate in our marriage. And uh, we need to be able to communicate how we feel. You know, we need to communicate our hurts, our frustrations, our victories. We need, need to, our spouse needs to be the first person we go to to communicate those things. Not our, some people communicate all these things with their children. Well, your dad just made me so upset, blah, 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 blah. That's, oh, yeah. not, that's not the right kind of communication. Or get on the phone to your mom, well, yeah, blah, 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 talking to your mom about your spouse. That's not the right way of communicating. My right, right way of communicating is directly with my husband. It's important to do that. And we'll see that a lot of times, see, your best friend has to be your husband. And your best friend has to be your wife. Did you hear what I just said? And when you need to communicate things, and I'm not say, saying there's not a time you need, if you're a lady, you need to talk with the girls, or a fella, you need to talk with the guys, but your husband, lady, needs to be your best friend, and fella, your wife needs to be your best friend. And when it comes to communicating, you need to be turning to your spouse 
to communicate. You know, we're talking about serious issues first as opposed to other people. And what happens a lot of times is a woman or a man, but we'll use a woman here, the wife turns to her mom and she'll go off on her husband to her mom. You know, he's a jerk. jerk. He's a this, he's a that. And then what happens is, is that, that he'll come home from work and a wife and a husband will make up. But guess who hasn't made up? The mother-in-law, because she just, she just got an earful of what a creep her son-in-law is. Is that right? And so the, the husband comes home from work. He makes up with, with his wife, but the mother-in-law still thinks he's a creep. You see what I'm saying? So you need to be careful and watchful about your communications and, and be sure that your spouse... See, Diane is my best friend. She is my best friend. I don't, have, my best friend. I don't have some other fellow over here that's my best friend. She's my best friend, and uh, it works out real well. And it's really important in communication that you really, really think about how your spouse communicates and how you communicate, and uh, really try to work within that. Um, men and women can be totally and completely different. Like uh, maybe a woman's upset about something, and the man says, well, tell me how you feel. And she might go on for 30 minutes about how she feels because women are a lot of times a lot more verbal, a lot more talkative. Well, what a man does is he, he is going to, in his mind, he's going to try to figure out how to fix it. And she'll get done and he'll say, well, let's do this and we can fix it. And all she wanted was for him to say, oh, I understand, honey, it's okay. Instead of she didn't want it fixed, she just wanted somebody to talk to. And so we have to understand that men and women can be completely and totally different in the way we communicate. She really didn't want a, she didn't want to hear the solution to the problem. Right. She, just she just wanted, wanted somebody, somebody to, to listen to. to. Yeah, that's right. And that happens. Diane and I, I, I'm actually kind of more like, I hate to admit this, but I'm kind of more like a female and she's kind of more like a male. That doesn't mean I'm a sissy. <laughs> But, you know, and a lot of times I'll come in and I'll say, you know, this is blah, 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 blah. This isn't right. This is going on, blah, 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 blah. And I'll talk for 10, 15 minutes and she'll tell me the solution to my problem. But I didn't want to hear the solution to my problem. You wanted to hear, it's okay, honey. You'll be okay. I love you. That's right. That's what I wanted to hear. And, and you got to watch this because, you know, she'll give me the answer, you know, in, in two sentences. This is what you need to do. But I didn't want to hear what I, I really knew what I needed to do. I just needed somebody to talk to. And usually it's the woman's role that, that does the talking and the man solves it. But in our case, I do the talking and she solves it and I just need somebody to listen to me. Another area that's very important to communicate about is finances. We've kind of already talked yeah. about that. But you have to know what your budget is. You have to know how you're going to spend your money. You can't come home and say, I just bought an iPad. You know, we've known people that have, they've come home with a new car. You know, oh. honey, I just bought a car. You know, you have to communicate about these things ahead of time. And depending on your individual situation, you know, it might be okay for you to go out and buy a shirt or a new dress or something like that. But it's not okay to buy an iPad. You have to decide those within your own marriage what is best for you. Another thing that's really important to communicate about is, is about your personal schedules and calendars. Um, you'd be surprised how many married couples don't know what the other couple has planned for the week. Um, what we do a lot of times at the beginning of the week, we just say, well, what's going on this week? And we talk about it. 
uh, but there's lots and lots and lots of married couples that don't have a clue what the other person is doing. And it's when you have children, that just adds layers of communication that you need to have. Um, it's important that you both talk about what the school schedule is. Both talk about, you know, are we going to pay for ballerina lessons? Are we going to pay for trombone lessons? Or can we afford it? Instead of just signing up the child for, for whatever. Um, you need to communicate ahead of time, you know, if one spouse doesn't believe in vaccines and the other one does, you need to communicate that be, and, and come to a solution before you have children. Uh, you need to communicate on the boundaries you're going to have on your children. You know, can they date when they're 12 or can they date not date until they're 18 or can they not date until they're 21? How late can they stay out? You know, just all kinds of things you need to decide as a couple and communicate before those time comes. You need to decide on how you're going to correct your children. Do you believe in spanking? Do you believe in timeout? Things like that. Um, we've even seen people that, you know, one, one spouse doesn't know where the children are because the other spouse hasn't communicated which babysitter they used or what time they're supposed to be picked up. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I tell you, one of the biggest things that I just have been shocked at over the years is, is the lack of communication that a lot of couples have. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Is it unbelievable? Absolutely. You know, you would have thought that they would communicate on something and he hasn't told her a thing or she hasn't told him a thing. And uh, it just leaves me scratching my head. I'm not, I'm not talking important. about little stuff. I'm talking about big things. You know? It's very important that you make it a priority to communicate. Yeah. Uh, Joyce Meyer, we heard her say this. If you will spend time listening, you will save time arguing, which is a, we thought was a really good statement. Yeah. Let's go ahead and... Um, you have to understand, we kind of talked about that, understand and work with your spouse's way of communication. You're both learning. And it's not something you're going to get overnight. Like I said, it can take years and years. It, you know, we still work on a lot of things. Um, it's really important to think about what you are saying and how you are saying it. Um, and think about, you know, when you're talking to your spouse, would I talk that way to my neighbor? Would I talk that way to the pastor? Would I talk that way to Jesus? Um, and think about, your facial expression and your tone of voice, because a lot of times we wouldn't talk to anybody the way we talk to our spouse, and we need to we need to check that and rein that in. That's something I had to learn because I mean I I would say things to her that I wouldn't say to anybody else. I think one reason I did it is because I knew she was going to love me no matter what, and there's there's things that I wouldn't say to this person or. Or that person or another person because I figured I might lose them as a, as a friend or whatever. But I knew that she would stick with me no matter what. So I found myself saying things to her, you know, angrily or whatever, in an angry way that I wouldn't say to other people. And, and I, had, I had to change on that. And I, um, I wasn't ever around anybody when I was growing up that had good communication skills. My stepmother was a yeller. And so I <laughs> Oh, yeah, you used to yell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she would. She used to yell. I mean, it would take a long time to get her there. But once you got her there, then she'd start yelling and start throwing the uh, uh, grapefruit. I only threw one grapefruit. Yeah. But she would yell. She would yeah. yell. And so you have to learn not to do certain things that are unhealthy that you might have learned when you were growing up. And you have to communicate with your spouse the way you would want, uh, the way you would communicate with somebody else. Um, it's important to communicate with wisdom with love, with gentleness, with patience and respect. 
not with impatience, harsh or angry words, or this is what we do almost all the time. I'm right, I know what's right, and you're wrong kind of attitude. Because we always think we're right, don't we? <laughs> And, and, and I want to say something here before we go on. Two, two things. Uh, one thing I want to say about communication is I've already seen a situation where you've got two people. They'll say the exact same thing, the exact same words. But this person says it and nobody gets offended. This person over here will say the exact same thing and offends everybody. Now, why is that? Because you've got to watch your, your tones of your voice. You've got to watch facial expressions. Did you, did you hear what I just said? And so I've already, there's been times where, well, just with Diane and I, I'll say something to somebody in my sweet, nice, you know, kind of way. Oh, you know. And she'll say the exact same words to the same people. Exact same words. But maybe her, her facial expression is different or her tones are different. And they'll get offended. So that's something that, that, that she's had to work on, and she's done a great job at it. Here's something else, too, that, that I was a debater. I should have been on the debating team in high school and an arguer, and, and really my goal was to win an argument. And so whenever we'd argue over the years, I, what I would do is I would go into debate mode, and it wouldn't matter what it was. I would, and I can out debate pretty much pretty anybody. Most, yeah. anybody. And, and she's not a, an arguer really, other than you get her to a certain point, she'll start yelling and throwing grapefruit. But, 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 but I would debate, and and then here's something else I did too. I would bring things up from the past. Has anybody ever done that besides me? And, and we'd be on something, you know, over here talking about this thing. And I'm back 20 years ago in the past of why did you do that to me then? Why wasn't I horrible about that? And he has that? a very good memory, as you all know. And, and I'll just be honest with you, as honest as I can be. The Lord really has been dealing with me to change a lot. And, and I, I, I had to change the way I operated in the pulpit. And I've been, I don't know if you can tell it or not, but if you'd see me in the pulpit preaching three or four years ago and you see me now, it, it's, it's totally different. And, uh, and, and I've, I'm still changing yet. And it, it's a change for the good. The Lord wanted me to work on my physical appearance. I've done that. But here's something else. At home, I think, wouldn't you say for the most part I'm a pretty good husband? Excellent. But there were things that about a year and a half ago give or take, I was in one of these debating modes. And I remember I got her to the point where she just was about ready to pull her hair out. I'm talking about a year and a half ago, give or take. About a year ago. And she laid down on the bed. She started crying. And it just, something happened on the inside of me that it was time for me to change. I needed to change. I come and I preach. You'd never know that was going on. I was never abusive or anything. But some of the words I said, I don't mean cuss words, but, you know, sometimes you can say words worse than cuss words. When you're tearing somebody up and bringing up stuff from the past. and you understand? And so I, I, have I changed that? Totally. Almost different between daylight, daylight and dark, isn't it? Has it been better? Yeah. And it was good, but even with that, but it's better that I've changed. Absolutely. And I'm trying to be a better husband and I'm trying to be and I was a good husband, but I need to be better. And there are some things that needed to to go. 
been a good pastor, but I, you know, it's like the, you know, there's no place for that. I, that, that needs that. How many is glad that guy's gone? You know, there's no, I don't need to come in here and, and, you know, go on. Just come in and talk and love people. That's, you know, we can still, we can still talk about the Bible and talk about challenging things in the Bible and we can do all of that without me acting like a, like a drill instructor in a boot camp. Is that right? Is that right or not? We still teach the word of God, still be just as powerful in the spirit without me acting like a, like a, like a maniac. Is that right? And you should enjoy that, you know. Boy, they're not, they want to just go home. Are you okay? You getting anything out of this? I have had to change and I have. Aren't and anybody you glad? wants to, anybody that wants to have a long, happy, healthy marriage has got to be in that position all the time. I've got to change. I've got to do this better. I've got to show more love. Because we're dealing with, we're not perfect. We're just fleshly people. And we always have to work on doing things better. And I don't want to just say this too. A lot of the reason that I acted the way I did in the pulpit is that's the way I was taught. And that's what I learned. And that's how I learned. But, you know, sometimes you have to just say, you know, what I learned may not be the best way you need to start making adjustments. Did you hear me? A lot of times we have to think about what is the best way to say something. That If you want to get something across, what's the best way yeah, to, to say something? Let's close this up. Let's do that. We have two examples. First is the wife, okay? Your hubby gets home from work and leaves his shoes at the door, okay? This is, example, this is an example of what not to do, okay? Why do you always leave your shoes at the front door? It looks so tacky. Your shoes stink. You are so lazy. Okay, that was a bad one. Okay, this is a better way to do it, you know. Honey, I know you are so tired when you get home from working. I appreciate all you do so much. Can I ask you a favor? Could you please put your shoes in the closet? It would mean so much to me. That's great. And you know what she what she works what she's doing with me is used to be she'd say, you know, you need to do, I think you need to do such and such. What you talking about? I think you need to do such and such. And it would just aggravate the living tar out of me. But now she doesn't do that. Now she says, honey, could I make a suggestion? And I'm ready to do whatever she she wants me to lasso the moon and bring it down. I'll do it. You know, do the best I can. You follow what I'm saying? But if she's going to tell me what to do, I don't operate good like that. But suggest, I'll do anything you want done. Here's another example. Uh, we sit down to eat. This is not what you should say. I hate this slop. What is it? It tastes like something you pulled out of the trash can. Now, I've never had that problem because she's a great cook, but... You he know, would never say that. Or, or, you know, my mother wouldn't make it this way. Let's, let's, anyway, wait until the next day, fellas. Just, just sit there and be glad you got something to eat. There's a lot of people starving in the world. Just be glad you got something to eat. And then the next day, say, honey, you're such a good cook. I love the things you make. But that dish last night, eh, it may not have been one of my favorites. Maybe we could not make that again. Would that, would that be okay? And that would go over better. Let's close this up. We have... We have to understand that, that our words and our actions in marriage have a cumulative effect. Um, if you build your marriage with good things, good words, faithfulness, joy, integrity, reverence, support, you're going to build a good thing. 
in the end, it's going to be a great thing. But if you build each day with bad things, insults, irritation, attacks, you know, anger, bitterness, on and on and on, what are you going to have in the end? If you're building every day, if that's the way you act every day, what are you going to have in the end? You're going to have a disaster. And a lot of times we don't really fully realize that if we treat our spouse horribly day after day, in five years or ten years or fifteen years or however long it takes, we're going to end up with just the most horrible mess we can imagine. And, and, and you know, there's, you know, we've learned this. I've watched this more in men than women, but there's two, two, well, a couple of three guys I'm thinking about that it took 20, 25, 30 years. They get angry at the way they're treated by their wife. The wife treated them like a little kid, you know, and just talked down to them, etc. And uh, they got angry over time. They got angry, the men. They got angry over time. Never said anything, just got angry over time. And, and in the process of time... They wind up in our office. And I'm thinking in particular about this one guy. He, uh, he, he, he attended here for many, 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 many years. Him and his wife, he never would have thought there was a, an issue. This goes way back now. A lot of you probably wouldn't even remember the guy. Way back, many years ago. Hasn't come here for years and years and years. But they look perfect, everything wonderful. But he comes in one day and he's, he's angry because he's been treated horribly for so long. And uh, he was done. You know, a lot of people get to that grapefruit point, you know, where they're done. And Diane threw the grapefruit, but, you know, we could reconcile. But this guy, there was no reconciliation. He was done. You know, sometimes people just get done with something and they've had enough. And, and he was at that point. And so, you know, all I can say is, and I couldn't fix it. The Lord couldn't fix it. You know, it couldn't be fixed. They wound up in divorce. All I can say is, is be sensitive to your spouse and treat him with love and respect and, 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 and sit down once in a while. Like what we, what we would do is we'll, whenever we would get in an argument, you know, I'd go through the debating thing. But once we got done with that, one thing I did do is I wouldn't let us leave the room until I talked it out, you talked it out. We were at, we wouldn't let the sun go down on our anger. Right. And we've been pretty good about that. Absolutely. So just be sensitive to your spouse and you just might want to ask them, honey, are you mad about anything? Have I done anything to make you mad or angry? And let them honestly answer. And uh, it can save you winding up in divorce court. We're out of time. Let's just speed this up real quick. First Peter 3, 3, 9. Let's just go First Peter 3, 9 in the Amplified Bible. We'll be done in five minutes. We need, it's hard to talk about Marriage in, in, in just an hour, you know, it takes longer, but we're trying to hit the highlights. Look at, look at, uh, 1 Peter 3 9 in the Amplified. It says, Never return evil for evil or what? Insult for insult. Scolding, tongue lashing, berating. Is that what that says? It says, Don't do that. Okay, don't do that. Just don't do that. Don't do that, alright? And then we could read the, uh, why don't we close in 1 Corinthians 13.4. We'll read a few verses here. 1 Corinthians 13.4 in the Amplified. Why don't you start? Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Verse 5. It's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude. Unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly, love God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking, it's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. 
It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It never... It, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fatalist under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. And then uh, just want to remind you of the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 7. He talks about the wise and foolish builder. And make sure that you're building wisely in your marriage. Uh, talks about, uh, in the end, the foolish builder, which in marriage would be someone who is doing all those things we said not to do. And in the end, their house is going to crumble and fall and be torn apart by the waves. But if you're building every day, every moment of every day, every year, every decade, good and loving and uh, wonderful things into your marriage, you're going to end up with a house that will stand and a house that you can enjoy. And Jesus said, to him who has, more will be given. Remember him saying that? And to him who has not, it will be taken away even what he has. What he meant by that was this. I'm convinced of it. You know, Diane and I have a good marriage. It's one of the best I've seen. It's not perfect, but it's one of the best I've seen. We have that marriage because we work at it. We listen to the word of God. We do the best we can what the word says. And we work at it. When there's when there's information to be had, we listen to it. We we don't just hear it. We You know, there's a difference between hearing and listening. You know, you can hear something, but if you don't listen, if you listen, that means you're going to take it to heart and do it, you see. And so we, 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 we have a good marriage, but it's gotten stronger over all these years. Why? Because we have something good, but we continue to build on it. But there's a lot of people don't have a good marriage, and, uh, and they know they don't have a good marriage. I'll just put it in my own words, but instead of coming tonight to, the, to what's available... You know what they're going to do? They're going to stay home and watch somebody win a gold medal on the Olympics. Well, stay in your bad marriage then. Would you rather watch somebody win a gold medal on television or would you rather come and find out how to have a stronger marriage and have a gold medal in your marriage? I think a gold medal in your marriage would be would be better. But the, the thing that I, we watch this over many, 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 many years, that other things are always more important to folks. And then you wonder why... I remember years ago, I taught a class at another church on finances. And the people that came were the people who already had a good, they were already good in finances. They already knew how to balance a checkbook and their finances were running good. But they came to the class. They wanted to learn more. They already had and, and what they had, they increased upon. You know, the people who didn't come were the people who really needed to be there. Did you hear what I just said? And so they never did learn how to balance their checkbook, and they're still just as broke today as they've ever been. You see what I'm saying? Now, I'm not trying to pressure you into coming tonight, but what I am trying to do is, to him who has, more will be given. Because usually the people that have, they've done something to get what they have, and they're going to try to increase it, you know? And then those that don't have, there's usually a reason why they don't have. And there's a reason why they stay in the same mess they're in. It's because they, they, they never get to the point where they say, you know, like in my case, I'm tired of weighing 230 pounds looking like I did. I've got to change it. Realize I say change it. Change it. So you've got to change it. At some point, you've got to step up and say, I'm going to 
do what I got to do here. I'm going to sacrifice whatever I got to sacrifice. I'm going to do what I have to do to be better, to do better, to get things going better. So, uh, uh, so take advantage. Come tonight if you can and listen. Take to heart what we said here today. Don't just sit and hear it, but listen to it and apply it. Act upon it. And, and I know there are some people that are going to listen to this and you're going to say, well, you know what? I'll, Pastor Terry, I'll do everything that you said, but my spouse, he's a jughead. He's not going to do any he's not going to do any of it or my wife she's 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 not going to do any of it well listen you can't really change them anyway so all you can do is change yourself realize say change myself you just change yourself work on yourself and just pray that god works on them are you okay one of the biggest one of the biggest people that i know of is a person that can say i'm wrong i'm sorry i'll change that's hard to find in, in our society. But just think about that. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I'll change. That's what we all need to do in our marriages, you know, because we're dealing with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. All right, stand with us, if you would. If you need to accept Jesus, you can do that up here in the front after we dismiss. Otherwise, just uh, grab hands with your spouse. And... Uh, and we'll just pray a general prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we pray right now for all of the uh, married couples that are here. And sir, we've said everything that, that we felt we needed to say. So much more could be said. We could spend years on this subject and not exhaust it. But we just hit a few things here this morning, Lord. We felt your direction. Some of the probably highlights, the most important things, that if people just, just worked on these things, things could get better. And marriages, whether it's here in this auditorium or over the Internet, you're listening. We just pray right now that they'll not be just hearers of the word, but they'll be doers of the word.